quick 15 second promo for Purple Stride in April. Go! Purplestride.org Backslash Team Trick. We're a team! We're a team! There's our leader, Kitty! Our vision of hope! Hey, this is Mark Altman of Inglorious Trex, Prince in the 430 movie. And if you're a fan of our podcast, you don't want to miss Deck 78. Available now by subscribing at TrexPrincePlus.com. This is a bonus podcast full of great discussions about popular culture, film, and television. By your command, here's a sneak peek. She, yeah, she, yeah, like she was, she was putting out literal fires. You know, like there were, you know, there were a lot of the people working on the film were having like nervous breakdowns, you know, because they were away from their families for six months, you know, like, I mean, like it's, it's a lot to juggle, you know, and, and, and everybody I talked to, you know, said that she just, you know, she, she did it masterfully and, you know, it, it felt very familial if, you know, it didn't feel like a cold kind of. You know, no, it's how people used to describe Cubby Broccoli. He knew how to take care of the cast. Well, at least they knew how to take care of the principal cast and the American crew and the Mm -hmm. British crew. It's like you have these stories about these poor Mexican extras out in the desert, 108 (laughs) degrees in the still suits who would then have to walk home and have no, no water. And it's it's just, it's horrifying. You know, it's just awful. Yeah. But I mean, they can always always sip from the catch pockets in their suits. So, to be, to be fair, I always thought it would have been funny if there, if when Sting and Kyle were fighting at the end, if like Sting like punctured Kyle's suit and just a big stream of shit came out of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's well, the we have to look version. forward to in Dune Two from Denis Villeneuve. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's definitely going to be in there. Um, but no, like uh, yeah, like uh, what you just said, like you know, talking about you know the plight of you know, all these poor Mexican extras, you know, a lot of whom were vagrants, basically, who were being paid in shoes, you know, like, yeah. that's not the kind of thing you get to read in a studio sanctioned. No, no. Oh, that, but that, unfortunately, that's, what, that's that's one of the uh, the perks that they had working down in Chiribusco. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- that's one of the reasons why they were there, because they could get very cheap extra crew members. Yeah, they made they made a seventy or eighty million dollar movie for forty forty five million. Yeah, yeah. yeah whatever. But the whatever flip side of that is, you also tell a story about how Tony and Bob and Raffaella hire all these um, th- th- these women off the street who basically mm-hmm. can't afford to support their families, and they throw work at them. And mm-hmm. then they keep having them, even when they run out of work, they keep giving them stuff to do to keep right. them on the payroll. Right. So that they can, and, and they said they would basically take a bullet for these people because they were so grateful, yeah. you know, for them, basically they were making more money than they ever made in their lives and mm-hmm. able to support their families and get, you know, off the street, you know, uh, and, and into, um, you know, and work, and work for the studio. And some of them still have, you know, careers in the Mexican film industry because of the opportunities they got on Dune. Yeah, everything is relative. You know, it's like, yeah, like, like. So subscribe today at com and don't miss a single episode of Deck 78. Fire the rockets. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctorman. And this is Ashley Miller. And we are the inglorious Trexperts. 
And oh, that's uh, very scary, uh, very ominous. Welcome to our Christmas gift to you. Or as Robert Evans once said about his Paramount 1968 or 69 Paramount preview reel, it's our gift to the world this holiday season. And uh, of course, we're talking uh, about this very special bonus episode because as you know, we're in the thick of the holiday specials, which have been wonderful. And we've been getting a terrific response and they've been doing phenomenally well. We're really grateful to everyone. So as a token of our appreciation, we're going to share this amazing panel which we call Picard's Trek Legacy with you. Computer, initiate system reactivation procedures. Authorization acknowledged. USS Enterprise now under command of Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Well, I hereby accept the field demotion. We've been here before, and I'm reluctant to ask you all to face this threat again. We are the crew of the USS Enterprise. But more than that, we're your family. Jack, Alondra, Sydney, they're our family too. Jean-Luc, wherever you go, we go. Thank you, number one. Sessions, please. Engage. And it's a great panel that we did with uh, Terry Metalis, the showrunner creator of um, Picard season three, um, the uh, uh, great Jonathan Frakes, um, Todd Stashwick, and joining the expedition for his freshman appearance, we're sure not the last time that he will grace the waves of this uh, podcast. Brent Spiner, old Ooh. yellow eyes. He's he's he's, he's joining. Is us. he back? Well, he's not back. He's just here for the first time. He's here for That's the first right. time. Old yellow eyes arrived. I didn't know androids got laryngitis, but they do dream of electric sheep, which is weird. Now, so do they take Robotussin at night? Is that why they dream of the electric sheep? They no, they take the- Robotussin. <laughs> <laughs> very nice, very nice. It's and like we planned it. Well, oh, I got to yeah. tell you, you may notice that we're 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 down a missing man uh, uh, as we uh, moderate this this terrific panel, and that's because we were so yes. busy, so busy at GalaxyCon Columbus that Ashley Miller was moderating another panel. He couldn't be on it because he was off talking to Yuri Lowenthal about the uh, award-winning new game Spider-Man Two, weren't you, Ashley? I totally was. Uh, it was uh, it was really really fun. It was really really cool. I talked to Yuri. I talked to his lovely wife Tara Platt, who's the because uh, he's you know Yuri is the voice of Peter Parker, the one and only Spider-Man. Uh, his wife Tara Platt, um, who is also an incredibly talented voice actor, who plays the. Uh, uh, of all things, Yuri Watanabe, the Wraith, um, and uh, just an incredible kid, uh, Najee Jeter, who is the voice of Miles Morales in the game, and hopefully we'll be bringing that to you on uh, Deck 78. I think um, if you're good, if you're nice and not naughty this holiday season, or maybe if you are naughty, we will bring it to you on Deck 78 uh, in 2024. And I got to tell you, uh, we have some great, great episodes 
coming to you next year. You'll get to join us for our sit down with uh, Susan Sackett, Gene Roddenberry's former assistant. We got um, uh, Denise Crosby coming to you for the first time on this podcast. I know she talked to uh, Peter and Lisa uh, doing a commentary on Skinny Evil for um, uh, Treks with Skinny Freedom, Evil which or is a Skinny small Evil. episode. You know, what Skinny Evil. Skinny Evil sounds like a documentary. I mean, that's pretty good. It's, it's the dangers of veganism. <laughs> um, and you, I think one of the one of the real delights we'll be sharing with you, which I think caught us by surprise, was our terrific conversation with Evan Evagora from oh God, uh, Picard season one and Kind of season two. Yeah, uh, wanted to adopt him. He's so much such fun. a such a great guy. Yeah, his great stories, and um, we really enjoyed uh, getting to know him. He played Eleanor on. Um, uh, no, he played Elnor. Elnor. Which, Eleanor you know, is someone else. Yes, although it would be great. <laughs> he played if he Eleanor play Roosevelt Elnor. in the <laughs> FDR story in drag in Melbourne. Uh, <laughs> With an Australian maybe, accent, which was terrific. Maybe, I don't know, maybe not. He but threw another got, shrimp got, on the Barbie. It was great. And the other, the other thing to look forward to is some of you may or may not realize next year is the year of multiple anniversaries. Oh yeah, and the year we without have, a Spock. It's the year without a Spock because it's the 40th anniversary of Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, and you have no idea what's coming. Well, maybe you do because you know how we feel about that movie. But have we got plans? Just because we have concerns about that movie, because we are not, uh, you know, it's not a four-star movie for us. It doesn't mean that we are not going to pull out all the stops to celebrate the release of Leonard Nimoy's directorial debut, Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. We so, have plans within plans. Within the guild. And uh, you'll you find are this podcast to... is quite operational. <laughs> it is also the 30th anniversary of another movie we don't particularly like, Star Trek Generations. Yeah, and uh, if you sell think it, Mark. We have elaborate plans for Star Trek Three. We have even more elaborate plans to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Star Trek Generations. And what sits between 40 and 30? 35. Correct, Darren. Tell us what's celebrating its 35th anniversary next year. I have no idea. <laughs> I've been blindsided. Is it, uh, is it what, what does Darren need with a starship? Oh, right. 35. Five. Five. It's five. Five. We, and if you think that we have elaborate plans for celebrating Star Trek three and Star Trek generations, well, you ain't seen nothing yet because That's the ultimate fun. Star Trek five, the final frontier tributes are coming. So this is going to be an amazing year in 2024 as we celebrate the anniversary of of all these shows. While we're going to be doing our To Boldly Go documentary. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because for those of you who may have missed the campaign on Kickstarter, you can still support our documentary with Terry Farrell and the Trexperts visiting Star Trek's greatest locations by going to MakeTheTrek.com. That's MakeTheTrek.com where you can support the documentary, which begins filming uh, in mid-2024. But the only way to ensure this documentary can be as good as it possibly can be 
is with your support. And there's also some amazing backer awards that are there for the taking. Well, maybe Becker, not there for the Becker taking. Awards? Becker awards? No, no, no. The, the Becker award is yeah. Carrie Farrell. Yeah, that's right. right. We're going to go to the- get to uh, have her. We don't care what you're donating. I, if if, 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 if we, we, being, we don't raise enough money to make the movie, we may just be visiting the locations of Becker. Right. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, this is your chance to uh, support the Trexperts and Terry Farrell on our epic cross-country odyssey to boldly go. And you can do that at makethetrek.com. Do that today, and we'll be eternally grateful. So, uh, but anyway, this was a, a remarkable panel. Thousands of people crammed into the main stage uh, to hear what I referred to as the Beatles of Star Trek, and indeed they are. Um, but what a great convention. Again, our, our gratitude to, and a, and a big happy birthday to the uh, um, a proprietor, the ringmaster general of uh, GalaxyCon, the great Mike Broder, and um, of course his entire team uh, for um, putting on just what are the most amazing conventions that we've been a part of in many years. He's kind of like uh, uh, Commodore Travers. He sets a good table. And fortunately, the Gorn have not bombed uh, or uh, caused any trouble for him. Right. Not yet. yet. Not yet. <laughs> he does. He sets a magnificent table. He, uh, it, you hear it in the way that the guests uh, speak about him. He, he's been nothing but wonderful to us, a longtime listener of the show. And uh, speaking of longtime listeners... Uh, we were graced by so many, so many um, listeners that came by. I'm only going to mention a few uh, that came by the, the table who was great to meet. First of all, um, uh, Jason Oakham. Uh, and uh, what I love, uh, beware of Romulans bearing gifts. Well, we're not worried about Romulans, but uh, Jason was very, um, was lovely in terms of bringing us um, some wonderful stationery for the holidays. I yeah. strongly recommend uh, if... Uh, you're thinking of getting the Trexperts a holiday gift. It is looked upon very favorably by all three of us. <laughs> I used to be very generous around the holidays. I used to, uh, people in general, I remember when I, I was first starting out in the business and I was an agent, an assistant in an Italian agency in New York. My God, we would get so many gifts. I mean, pop, more caramel popcorn and fruit baskets and, and, and all kinds of stuff. Like, in a way, Amazon has sort of taken that away. People just give these gift certificates. I, I, I mean, I couldn't even get half the stuff home that I would get for the holidays. I, I love being lavish with gifts. That doesn't happen as much <laughs> anymore. No, especially not in a strike year. <laughs> no, that's for sure. Yeah, that's, 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 yeah. I might be eating that fruit basket to sustain me. Be like Captain Kirk with the apple on uh, yeah. <laughs> First Rule Survival. Um, but thank right. you to Jason for joining us. It was a pleasure having you. He came down from New York to see us. Um, really enjoyed meeting from New Jersey, Bob Barker, who um, is building a fusion he reactor. He came on down. He, he came oh, on down. See, I see. What yeah. <laughs> Come on down, Bob. And, um, different one. and shared his uh, memories. I think I signed a free enterprise for him and uh, free enterprise poster. And uh, we're going to get one over to uh, Rob Burnett so he can sign it as well. Uh, terrific talking to Bob. Um, really enjoyed uh, talking to my Verona, Jason, uh, Jason Verona. Um, and uh, and my God, he could play Ruck in the reboot. He's so tall. It's so Vivo tall. tall. Vivona. And such no, a nice not guy. Verona. Vivona. It's okay. You know what? It is an I was honor to be misnamed Jason by uh, Mark Goldman. Yeah, yeah that's true. A, You're like Pete Potwhistle. You're like Pete Potwhistle. 
But yeah, Jason Favon are so great to meet him. Uh, longtime listener of the show. Of course, speaking of longtime listeners, it was Sue the Librarian. Great to see Sue there. She came down yeah. for the Greek food and figured she'd see us at the same time. Now she's she, so she, wonderful. I think it was one of her first conventions in a long time and uh, so sweet. Uh, Shane Bolaire. Um, and of course, a real joy to meet uh, uh, Lucas Hardwick, um, who knew exactly how to get in our good graces by bringing <laughs> bringing some booze. From bringing booze. some booze. So, um, exactly. Um, Top shelf liquor. So we're we're uh, we're grateful to uh, to Lucas for that, um, and uh, just a just a just a delight. And uh, I want to you'll you'll hear in this panel um, is a lovely girl who talks about um, how Star Trek literally saved her life. It's very mm -hmm. moving, and um, uh, she came to the booth, and we found out she's also a longtime listener of the Trexperts, and. Um, Hearing her story is just is well, I'd say it's heartbreaking, but it has such a happy ending. Yeah, and I'm so I'm so proud of Liz. Um, yeah. Although I have to say that uh, the fact that she got talked into getting a 007 tattoo from Todd Stashwick, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, it's, you know what, parents? This is the lesson, parents. Do not let Todd Stashwick talk to your children because they're going to get sure. tattoos. They're going to stop eating steak. Don't do it. Just don't do it. They're going to at least he didn't have her get. A, Tattoo that said no. Yeah, right, that's no. true. Although, but, uh, although that's you know a what? good thing too. <laughs> <laughs> no is quite the liberating word. Um, and and she asked she asked a great question during the panel. You'll also hear, and this is funny. Speaking of uh, other many people, so Lucas wanted us to ask about North and South, and we said, Lucas, look, you know, this is a Picard panel, this is a Star Trek Legacy panel. We can't talk about Picard. I mean, we can't talk about North and South. <laughs> But of course, if you were to ask her in the Q and A, we can't stop you. So um, that's exactly what he does. <laughs> Whether if or not, if we haven't edited it out, because no. we can stop him, we, we have the power. We, <laughs> we, we have, have we have the we have the power. So this convention was pretty swell, wasn't it, guys? This oh, was God, our yeah. this was our return from a year ago when we first started the uh, go to GalaxyCon events. This is the beginning of the Inglorious Live 2023 tour, which started in 2022. And uh, the 2023 tour ended. Um, but the good thing is we'll be announcing our 2024 tour shortly. Uh, we got a bunch of Galaxy Cons coming up. Of course, San Diego, WonderCon. Um, we have uh, a few other conventions. And if you are a, a, a Star Trek cruise executive... We're interested and available for the right price. <laughs> we, we want to find love, exciting and new. Yeah, we yeah. want and, to come aboard. And also, um, I want to thank all the wonderful fan conventions that invite us. To be honest, it, we just can't possibly go to every convention that invites us. So um, we appreciate it. It, it. it is not in any way a slight on you. Where we can, we want to support uh, fans. But, you know. Uh, we also want to stay married. We all <laughs> got to eat. Um, I don't. I do want to say about. Uh, Darren will go wherever. If I you will have go. a shopping mall opening. If you go to the opening a car, of, a, of an envelope, I'm afraid. Use a lot, he'll go. <laughs> I, I want to say about more discerning. Uh, the, the GalaxyCon experience, having kind of done it for a year now, even though I missed the first Columbus, and maybe especially this most recent uh, trip to Columbus. Look, I think between us, we did something like 13 panels in three yes. days, which is like, I think, a record. Uh, 
And uh, it was, look, it's a lot of work to do those panels. Um, it's, it's a lot of time and it doesn't feel like work ever. Uh, it is just so much fun. The energy is always so great at GalaxyCon. And yeah. Mike Broder takes care of his guests like nobody in the business. Um, and I just, I, I, I cannot be more appreciative of, uh, of the experience that we've had with those guys this last year and, uh, more appreciative of how we've been treated by those guys. So I just wanted to make sure we said that. 100%. And this is the time of the season where you express gratitude, season's greetings. And I want to say it's not just Mike, but Samantha, Nick, Elise, um, um, so many of uh, the team over there, we're yeah. so grateful to them for uh, everything that they do and how welcome they've all made us uh, feel. So uh, thank you to uh, GalaxyCon. But it would not be a convention report if I didn't have something to complain about. So now commence the complaining. <laughs> okay. this is And this has nothing to do with GalaxyCon, so you guys are off the hook. Um, Santa's here. I know. Hold on one second. Somebody's at the door. Well, I, I just want to, I'll talk a, a little bit about, uh, uh, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but all those uh, panels that we did turned out really good, I have to say. <laughs> well, you know, that was validated by the people. Yeah. I mean, Richard Dreyfus and um, his wife, they, they wanted two hours. Video with they wanted two hours. They wanted the video. It was it was such a great. And they said, uh, "What a pleasure to have people who really know what they're talking about." And but, we said, um, "Who's that?" Yeah. And it was the same thing with um. Well, it was the same thing with the Picard panel. Yeah. Um, where we had um. All the all the heavy hitters on stage. Yep. Yeah, and and how much they appreciated. Um, what we did and what we said, and um, you know that we he said you know so and even Walter Koenig, who we've interviewed many times, he says I don't know if I've ever told you this, but he said it's such a pleasure talking to people who really know this stuff, that, hmm. you know, and 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 it's so even as as long as we've done this, it's so nice to hear because we really do. Um, I don't know if prepare, but we think about. Well, we spent fifty-five years a word. Yeah, exactly. We've been preparing our entire lives. About. Let's make sure that we are all clear about that. Yeah, Walter said to me, "How do you know all this?" I said, "I wasted fifty plus years." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I know all this. Sure, stuff. Um, <laughs> stuff. <laughs> how do I know all this stuff? But uh, I mean, I couldn't have devoted it to science. <laughs> To, to be a doctor, <laughs> making the world a better place. But no, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, um, to be fair, I mean, I you know this sounds sickeningly sweet like honey, but uh, uh, I, th I think in our own small way, we are making the world a better place by helping connect people to things that they love. Oh, speaking of obsession, do you know the guy <laughs> who played Garavik came from? He was born in Columbus, Ohio. I did not I, know that. I, I did now, not that's know that. For a even fact. the Reganian might not know. Yeah, now I don't remember what his name is, but he, the, the actor who played the, uh, uh, Lieutenant Garavik, was from Columbus, Ohio. Well, there we are. Because I know yeah. they have the big uh, Schwarzenegger statue. He only works in Ohio. They, they should have like they, they a should put a statue. red shirt on the Schwarzenegger statue and, and a jar and of say honey. It's him. Yeah, a jar of oh, honey. A jar of honey. 
Uh, that would be uh, just lovely. Um, so anyway, let me kvetch yes, for a second. Your kvetch. Yeah, I got to kvetch for a second because, um, you know, here's the thing. So, I, you know, to, to Delta's credit, they, you know, and I'm, I, I often fly Delta, they, um, they announced that they were, you know, uh, under construction, that they would be leaving from the, um, the international terminal. So I, I had my driver drop me off at the, um, at the Delta terminal, the international terminal. I get there and they tell me, and I'm, I'm all this luggage. I got books I'm bringing. I got uh, huge luggage, as you know, I way overpack, uh, always overdress, overdressing for the wrong occasions. And they tell me, Oh yeah, this is where the plane is leaving from. But the, the check luggage, you got to go to Delta terminal too. So oh, I have man. all this freaking stuff and I got to take it all the way back to Delta. Right. And then after I check the luggage, I then have to come back to the international terminal. It's so good. I got there early because yeah. this is a warning to you on this holiday that I, I would have totally missed my flight with all the going back and forth. It was so aggravating, so aggravating. And they just don't inform you of this stuff. So I finally, uh, you know, get to, uh, get to Columbus. And it was nice because I got, uh, Whitney was on the plane, uh, Brent's wonderful intrepid assistant, always good to see Whitney. And, uh, and then as I get to the front desk to get our car to take us to the convention, who do I see, but a smiling Ashley Miller, Darren Doctorman, um, Walter, um, who was, you had a whole ton of, you had, had a whole party crew. plane. Um, Jonathan Frakes, uh, Todd Yeah, Stashwick. we had the party plane because yeah, uh, sure. uh, Stashwick and Frakes were sitting in front of me on the uh, on the second leg of the uh, trip, and uh, man, is Stashwick loud! Boy, especially when he's talking up. Yeah, when he's talking up Frakes, holy cow, he's loud! Uh, but it was uh, it was very fun, and uh, of course, uh, Nana was uh, sitting across the way, and uh, she was luminous as usual. And, oh, we uh, had such a good time with Nana. Oh this my trip. god! Oh it my god! She's the, the best. She was she, the unofficial fourth trek expert. She kind of was, and it's like you know, I just uh, we were well, really joined at the end. Terry her. Farrell is the unofficial fourth trek. Yes, that's true. Yeah, she, that's true. Terry she had was... trouble getting around because she had a yeah. uh, operation on her foot, so I I called her Gimpy. But, but you remember she was so funny. <laughs> because you're though. sensitive like that. Yeah. Do you remember what Terry said before the panel? I don't know who if she said it or one of you said it. It was probably one of you. But she, you know, she was in a wheelchair most of the most of the convention. Right. So we were going to roll her up onto right. the stage in the wheelchair, but there was no ramp so that she could answer questions by beeping one for Once, yes and two, yes for, and no. two for no, yep. yeah. uh, which would have been hysterical, but we had no way to get the wheelchair on the stage. <laughs> the best um, laid plans of Trek's Indeed. And of course, somebody would have been immensely offended by that, but I thought it was funny. There's always someone. Um, so this was not the end of our drama because we had... You know, it was a new year. We're getting ready for 2024. We printed a bunch of new Trexperts posters, thanks right. to Darren. Darren designed two great new Trexperts posters. The thing that we do at these conventions, for those of you who don't know, is, you know, we have the booth, and obviously I have my books, and Darren has a bunch of stuff that he has. But the primary thing is to, to meet the fans, and we sign for free. That's very important to us yeah. because uh, we, we don't want to sell it. We don't want to. We, we, we make uh, this material and we sign it for free for anybody who wants it because that's when we were kids, that's who, you know, there was no paying for stuff. And honestly, you know, uh, writers and directors and productions we should not be charging. Just, I understand the actors make sense, but we should not be charging for stuff. It's not right. So um, we made, you know, a bunch of um, 
really great posters. So, and I had it all figured out. We were going to have it delivered to the thing. It was all there. I confirmed everything was good. Um, so we go to the, uh, go up to the, say, oh, can you uh, bring us our, a box I had shipped here as a guest? And we're waiting like 20 minutes and they, they, they don't come back. And we're like, what's going on? Where is, um, where's the stuff we're waiting for? Guy says, well, this is the valet. I'm like, you're not the bell captain? He goes, no, this is the valet. Well, why didn't they say anything instead of making us wait here for 20 minutes? But don't worry, it gets worse. So we go to the front desk <laughs> and we say, oh, we got this box uh, that we're waiting to get. And it was like an, two hours away from the convention opening. So we were cutting it a little close. And uh, they said, no, there's no box for you. I said, what do you mean there's no box for us? There's no box. There's no box. No box. No box. What's the box? No. And, uh, and so we're like, it's getting a little crazy. So I call the printer. Who, uh, who, who made this stuff because I like to support the local printer. Like I could have gone to Vistaprint or had it shipped or whatever. I like to go, when we go into a town, I like to support the local business, right? Sure. So we used the local business, which we'd used last year, which was great. So they said, oh, I talked to them. They said, yeah, uh, the courier dropped it off yesterday and he said he left it at the loading dock, but there was no one there to sign for it. No one there. So he just left it. He just left at it. And I said, are you telling me at a hotel, there was no one there, no one, that was the Omega Man, that literally no <laughs> one was there to sign for the pack. And so he just left it, just left it on, you know, and they said, well, I don't know what the Omega Man is, but uh, yes, that's what we're telling you. <laughs> and, and I said, well, that's ridiculous. How in a hotel that's open 24 hours, seven days a week, can there be no one there to give it to? That You just would leave it willy-nilly. I said, I need this stuff. I said, well, there's nothing we can do. So I called the guy who's terrific, who who either owns the place or I've been dealing with. And I said, listen, this is unacceptable. I said, you, uh, you know, you're responsible to get it into our hands. And we have a convention in two hours. I said, I need you to reprint this stuff. He said, and I explained him what happened. He said, of course, absolutely. Couldn't have been nicer. And they reprinted everything. Wow. But then... We're like, we got to get, I said, you know, should we courier it? It's like, no, we're going to come pick it up. So Ashley and I hop in an Uber and we go to get, this is full service, by the way. People, don't you have assistance for this? No, this is all us, baby. <laughs> so we go and we go pick up the posters. And uh, even then the roads were closed and we were like going through these back roads and we had no uh -huh. idea. We And we dumped into it. We literally, like, we're literally stuck in a back alley trying to figure out how to make a U-turn in this big Uber. And then I'm like, isn't that the place? And it was like we were literally at the back door of the place by accident. So we go in, we walk through the back where they're printing stuff. We get the stuff. So then we get back in the car to come back to the convention. And the guy's phone rings. It oh, was really annoying, right? And the fact, you know, you should be answering calls when you're driving, you know, people. But he does. And he has it on speaker, speakerphone. Oh, my okay. God. So we'd like to schedule your colonoscopy, Mr. Watabi. And he's like, he's like, whoa, well, what does that entail? And then they, they start talking about this guy's freaking colonoscopy. Like the whole drive. And we would I like mean, to stick an uncomfortable camera in your ass for three hours. <laughs> Almost as uncomfortable as your uh, impersonation of the driver. So yeah. <laughs> It was close. <laughs> it was, that was I won't make it on the Simpsons. So we're, we're like, you're Italian and looking at each terrible, other. Mark. He wasn't Italian. So anyway. I was trying to save you, Darren. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking at each other. We're looking at each other. And it was like, what the? F and 
the whole ride, this whole thing. He's like, well, that's no good for me. And it's like, and he's like, okay, well, how long will I be under? A scene from Curb Your Enthusiasm. It was literally, I mean, I, we were one step away from getting a terminal cancer diagnosis. Yeah. I mean, it was so uncomfortable. Um, and, it, I, I, and, and then he drops us off at the convention center and we brought the, the posters in just as it was starting. And we had the posters and we were able to give them out. But it was so, it was such a, so by then I was already exhausted. The convention hadn't even started. I was exhausted. Um, and, um, but thankfully, as is our thing, we you know was that we we did the convention that first day was terrific because um, we had the chance to talk to Denise Crosby who we've we've never really talked to um, and she was terrific. Yeah. Um, oh my god! Um, what a great you know. I only wish we had had more time. Um, we we talked once again to Jeff Combs, but unlike in Nightmare Alley where we Nightmare Alley Nightmare Alley weekend, where we talked <laughs> like to him, time that we got you know tricked with alcohol into joining the circus. <laughs> <laughs> but it, we <laughs> both both have the same thing in common. They have a lot of geeks, the circus, yeah. and the uh, <laughs> that and the com- so, conventions. Yeah. So so we uh, so we talked to Jeff this time. We really instead of focusing on Poe and Reanimator and From Beyond, we talked about Star Trek. So that was that was that was great. And uh, of course, you also did a terrific panel about the X Men, which was uh, which was great as well. How was that, Ashley? That was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it was uh, it was a lot of the uh, well, I guess. Four, um, four different creators who've worked on it um, over time, artists and uh, and writers. Um, it was uh, Anne Nascenti, who is just a legend. If you know anything about X-Men comics, you know exactly who that is. Um, and she was just a delight. She's had a career that's just spanned things well out of comics. I mean, she's been a goddamn war journalist for fuck's sake. Uh, amazing. Steve Orlando, who is just lovely and gave me comic books. Was Dawn uh, there too? Yeah. Uh, Corey Smith, who's uh, an no, no, X Men artist, Orlando and Dawn, huh? <laughs> what did I miss? Steve Orlando and Dawn, you know, tie a yellow ribbon. Okay, well, uh, now you Bad just joke. blew my Bad mind. Joke. Uh, but yeah, so Corey Smith, um, <laughs> He's not and Jonti, who are both uh, X Men artists extraordinaire, and they were just they were a ton of fun. Um, and uh, it was a it was a pleasure. My uh, my fanboy, my X-Men fanboy geeky heart just loved, yeah. loved, loved talking to Anna Senti. And for those of you who are wondering uh, what we ate that dinner that night, I know some of you are. It sounds so ridiculous. Some people are listening to podcasts for the first time because it's about Picard Star Trek Legacy. And then this is going to be the, the first two-hour introduction. <laughs> they think, what does yeah. this have to do with is it, We're going to just have to do, this is going to call this, this a, a podcast and then do a completely different wraparound for... Uh, but we we had uh, we had a delightful dinner at um, Martini, which we went to last year. And, and I had a delightful I, Martini at Martini. I'm happy That's to right. say it was as good as we remembered. It was lovely. Yeah. So thank you to the people that invited us to that uh, dinner. And uh, anyway, but we're here to talk about <laughs> Picard's Trek legacy, and uh, this was a really fantastic uh, panel with uh, really you know Trek legends. And we got to talk about, once again, sort of the magic of Star Trek Picard Season 3, as well as what the future uh, is, if uh, indeed there will be a Star Trek legacy. Certainly it's something that a lot of people want to see happen. That crowd was any indication. They were pumped up and ready to see more of this cast and uh, Terry's vision for the future of Star Trek. So it's certainly our hope that this... um, this will materialize, although uh, 
the more time that comes goes by, the less likely it is. So it's incumbent upon all the fans who want to see this to continue to lobby for um, Star Trek more. Legacy. For more. 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 More, more, more. more. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Darren, why don't you uh, take us out? <laughs> well, <laughs> join us now for a lovely time with uh, the uh, cast and crew of uh, Picard Season 3 as we uh, explore the possible future of a possible future. Following these brief commercial messages, and we'll be back with a few closing remarks after this. Hallmark introduces the exclusive Klingon keepsake ornament. Call 1-800-HALLMARK for a gold crown store near you. Can I help? You? You are aboard the Imperial Warbird Kazar. You're here to explain this. Oh, the new Hallmark Star Trek keepsake magic ornament. Pirated from the Romulan Empire. Look up, Commander. It lights up. Tell us what you know. Oh, well, the Romulan Warbird ornament is a gold crown stores only for a limited time. You should get yours soon. Call 1-800-HALLMARK for the store nearest you. You guys in town for a Star Trek convention? It's Crazy Eddie's Christmas Sale with the craziest prices ever on everything at home entertainment. Audio equipment, color TVs, car stereo, CBs, Sony Betamax, electronic TV games, even calculators and digital watches. Remember, shop around, get your best prices, but don't buy anything because Crazy Eddie will do better. And that's the Crazy Eddie guarantee. See Crazy Eddie at any one of his great locations or call Crazy Eddie at 645-1196. For the craziest prices ever, it's Crazy Eddie's Christmas Sale. Crazy Eddie won't be beat. Crazy Eddie's prices are insane. And now, I want to introduce you to the Beatles. Starting with showrunner, well, and really you could say creator of Picard season three, writer, director, mensch, just a great guy. He did an incredible season of Star Trek and uh, we're so thrilled for him to talk to you about it. Terry Metalis. Yeah, 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 yeah! To know him was to hate him and then to love him, Captain Shaw himself, Todd Stashwick. Yeah, 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 Todd! Todd Stashwick! And star of stage, screen, old yellow eyes is back, Brent Spiner. Yay! Yay! My favorite! Dana's my favorite! And last but not least, you know him from... <laughs> Paper Dolls, yeah. North and South, Beyond Belief, 
It's director slash actor. That's what we call it, right, John? Uh, Jonathan Frakes. Um, Terry, I want to ask you, how hard was it to sell the powers that be on getting the band back together? Well, um, I feel like I got to do the yawn. This movie's so scary. Um, How hard was it? How difficult was it? How difficult was it to get the band back together? For for pitching it, first selling it internally, because obviously the show did not start as what it became. Right. And um, and then getting buy-in. Well, we had I had the advantage of uh, Picard season two happened right during COVID. So we had shutdowns with COVID and it spread out and we actually burned a lot of time. So there wasn't a lot of time for a season three, like let's hear five different ideas and pick the one. Uh, so when they came to me, I'm like, we're, I'm doing this. And um, they kind of just had to at that point. And so at that point, it was really just about hoping that, honestly, Jonathan would say yes. Uh, we had everybody else, but Jonathan was the holdout. <laughs> you have a reputation for being difficult, Mr. Frakes. Um, Thank you very much. <laughs> We're working on it for years. <laughs> the mayor of Star Trek, you are. So let me ask you, when you were approached by, you know, Terry... You thought it was to direct because of how you've been doing a lot of these shows. You hadn't been in front of the camera other than... Well, I, Terry actually said to me while I was directing during season two, are you ready for uh, more Riker? Because I had been in an episode in season one or two episodes. And I said, yeah, sure I am. And then he said, no, I mean a lot more Riker. And then I got nervous. And then... Well, tell him what you said. Hmm? You said, but I, I'm not a very good actor. That's, that's truly what he said. Did I say that? Why yes, you did. <laughs> you look right. He goes, but I'm not. I go, what are you talking about? I'm and a nice like, little actor. I'm not very rangy, like you. <laughs> <laughs> Brent, you thought you would put this character to bed with Nemesis. I mean, a lot of people thought the show had been put to bed with Nemesis. So I, I wonder if um, for, for you, you, you know, you'd come back and, and played a bunch of other characters. Um, but to come back and do something that was in the universe of data, because it's not literally data. How, how reluctant were you to embrace that? Or was it something that you, you know, how much discussion was there? Are you talking to me? I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah. You know, let me just say one thing real quick. I have, uh, I have laryngitis, of all things. So You won't uh, be singing tonight? I won't be singing tonight. Oh, we're all I wasn't going to anyway, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, uh, Mark, can I call you that? You can. <laughs> Could you repeat your question? Uh, no. <laughs> well, my question is, obviously, Data had died in Nemesis. And you obviously. said you, you were done with that character and you right. played other characters right. on the show subsequently. But this was a chance to sort of revisit, I wouldn't say familiar ground, but a Data-esque character. How reluctant were you to embrace going back to that and how much discussion was there in terms of what this character would be. Uh, do you remember, Terry? I, I, I remember every minute. Yeah. I said, no, I will not do this. Absolutely. Right. That was basically it. And yeah. The next 10 phone calls were, please, please, how much? How much is it going to take? <laughs> and then it was, how about this much? 
And, and I said, okay. That was basically yeah. it. Yeah. So there you have it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, you know, I, I just wanted to be with my friends. They were all doing it. And I thought, gee, it would be, I'd be so depressed being at home watching the show and I'm not in it and all my friends are in it. And uh, so. You were I, already on the show. I was already on it, but yeah. you guys weren't. I know. That was fine. Yeah, but that, <laughs> it was just. <laughs> no, but, you know, it was an interesting thing that Terry uh, came up with because I had spent all those years, you know, trying to become Data. And in the final season of Picard, suddenly Data is becoming me. And uh, it was a nice kind of flip and journey. Yeah. Todd, I want to ask you because, you know, Pete Best leaves and then Ringo joins the Beatles. You're kind of like Ringo, right? You're joined the... I'm very much like Ringo. What, what was it like for you as someone who'd been a fan? Obviously, you worked with Terry on The Great 12 Monkeys uh, to join. And obviously, you don't get along with them at all. I mean, there's That's no... eight of the monkeys out there. <laughs> what was the question? How was it to join this group of actors, these fine thespians that you've uh, embraced and now well, are touring with? Um, yeah. Uh, I want to know who Pete Best is in this equation first. <laughs> Diana Muldaur. That, that's it. That's it. Um, deep cut. Um, so uh, it was fun because I, I had spent a lot of time working with Terry and, uh, and sometime working with Jonathan. So, so they primed the pump a little bit. So when I, I did not walk onto a cold set and having, uh, you know, there was a great many 12 Monkeys writers in the, the writer's room. And so the scripts were like butter. Like I, I, when I, from the day one that I got to play this character, I felt like I had been playing him for years. There was such an ease to the writing and an ease on the set. And they, they left a ton of room to be the dipshit that you all know and love. <laughs> and Terry, I want to ask you, because Star Trek had traditionally been the story of the week, right? So we all knew what Next Generation was. Here you are revisiting it, but in a 21st century format, an arc where it was going to start and be 10 episodes and tell one story. How much of a challenge was it for you in the writer's room to say, this is one thing to say, okay, we're going to bring back the entire cast, this is really exciting, but then to execute that vision? Well, I didn't sleep very much for about a year, uh, it was like 20 hour days, dinner at midnight up again at six. I, I, I really thought that if this was, and we hope not, but if it was the last chance at this, we really wanted it to be as good as possible. So that sort of, it didn't feel like we could do an of the week because we had to catch up with all of these characters and where they were in their, in their lives. So there was going to be a serialized story. So it, it, it felt like if we designed it as a 10 episode movie, but each one of those episodes has its own identity. Cause I, there, you know, it, it's that streaming thing where sometimes you can binge a whole season of television. And you're like, there's not one episode that stands out. It kind of all feels like it was one episode, but we wanted each one of those to be like, oh, that's the one with the space babies, or that's the one with the museum, or that's the one with, 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 uh, with, with any one of these things. So, um, but so the challenge was making sure that that episodic identity existed, but we were telling a full-length final goodbye. Right. And then, Todd, uh, Terry teed up such a, so beautifully in the coda what another series could be, what Star Trek legacy could be and should be. Everybody was going off to these grand adventures. You died. 
What did you? I what? No, 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 <laughs> what no, no, no. What did Mark, 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 Mark. We uh, we recut. The, he, he didn't. He didn't yeah. die. Oh, we didn't guys. see him. Nobody. He didn't die. He didn't die. Data didn't die. Picard <laughs> didn't die. Uh, so, you, is there a question in there? Or are you just rubbing it in? <laughs> my, my, and obviously, what was your response? Because you're like, I want to come back and play when when Star Trek Legacy happens. Look, uh, the, the reality is, uh, uh, and I and I say this as as a writer, they they told such a beautiful karmic circle for this character who. Um, lived with survivor's guilt and and asking himself deep questions of why was I allowed to live? And he paid back a karmic debt. And so he, and against the same enemy. So his, his life really did come beautifully full circle and the captain goes down with his ship and his ship was going down. So uh, from a writing standpoint, uh, it, it's a, it's poetry uh, from my health and pension. I would, would love to keep going. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, speaking of that, Jonathan, I've heard you talk about uh, legacy a lot. Uh, what, what, what are you saying about legacy? That there's another show or something? Oh, my God, Brent. <laughs> there are thousands of people here. <laughs> Mark. So when, when does it come out? Oh, Gentlemen, <laughs> Brand, let me. Sorry, help me out they're, here, my brothers. You, you want me to help you out here? There we go. Star, Star Trek Legacy is not in development uh, uh, at the moment. There's uh, a, Star Trek Shaw, however. <laughs> Star Trek Shaw <laughs> uh, is an animated series. Well, claymation, claymation. claymation. <laughs> I don't uh, get to do the voice of Shaw. It'll be Jeffrey Dean Morgan. It'll be Jeffrey Dean Morgan. But we, yeah. pretty excited. We wanted about this. an actor. Pretty excited about this. Yeah. I, I, have a, I have a question for Jonathan, if I may. Um, how fun was it for you after, after your character of Riker was basically taking a back seat to the great Jean-Luc Picard? How fun was it to, to, kick, go, him off the bridge? to kick him off the bridge? Oh, now we're talking. And, and give, him the, give him the bum's rush. What a treat. You know who wrote that? Jerry Metalis. Oh, really? Yes. High, one of the high points of the whole season, I thought. <laughs> and so did Patrick, frankly. I don't know that Picard liked it very much, but right. Patrick enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. The fans enjoyed it. I wanted to blow a little smoke up your ass, Terry. Blow <laughs> it. My uh, beautiful and talented wife, Jeannie Francis. Right? Important American actress. We knew her best as Laura. Watched Picard season three. Let me just say... We've been together for 38 years. I don't think, besides going to, maybe to go to see um, First Contact when we premiered, I don't think she's watched much of, uh, or any of the show. What she says about your show, about our show, is that not only is it the greatest season of Next Gen ever, but that all of the characters, as they are introduced, earn their entrance because they help to solve the puzzle of the story. Yep. And she's absolutely right. I do like that, Jeannie Francis. I know, I do like that. <laughs> and again, that must have been a huge challenge in the writer's room because you have this big ensemble 
And it's very difficult to service each of those characters in at least 10. But you did it very casually. One by one, you sort of got the band back together. It was kind of like the Dirty Dozen or Magnificent Seven where you meet each of the characters and they all come back until the you know, final couple episodes where you got everyone together. But did you seize on that concept early or how did you approach it? Well, we, we seized on it, but we also, because of scheduling issues and location issues, it had to be that way. We couldn't, it wouldn't, as much as I'd love to see them all together very quickly, it wouldn't be that satisfying if you just open the first episode and they're back on the Enterprise D. And then I think that would have been the, the fan service version of it. But we also, like Marina was in London, it wasn't available. And we knew actually that the season mystery she would be able to solve very quickly with her uh, Betazoid abilities. So that actually worked out for us to have her towards the end. Um, and then, and LeVar... Uh, was also not available, I think, until uh, the midpoint as well. So it, 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 was, it actually mapped out pretty perfectly for us. I want to ask you, because there's that old Betty Davis expression, you know, an actor's job is to, you know, say their lines and not bump into the furniture, which in the early days of Next Generation was sort of the philosophy. You know, we, we're not interested in knowing what the actors have to say, but that changed with the movies, and it certainly changed with Terry, where Terry came to each of you and really wanted you to talk about where you thought your characters were and invited feedback. How liberating was it? And what did you kind of share with Terry in those early stages of the evolution of your characters for the season? I'd never had any writing for Riker that had been anything nearly this exciting and, and nuanced and uh, filled with conflict. The old Riker never would have kicked uh, Picard off the bridge. There was a, whether it had been planned or not, there was a very, important story point brought up in the beginning of season, or in the middle of season one where uh, Riker and Troy had lost a son. We had gone to this planet to try to keep the son alive. And historically in, uh, in marriages, when a marriage loses a child, the marriage suffers and, and that served the writers and served Marina and me that our, our marriage was strained by the loss of our son and how differently we mourn. So it, all of this stuff that had happened to the characters and the age that um, we all had come. Terry was, he came to all of us, he shared with us, he had ideas, people shared ideas back with him. And I was with Terry when he pitched the idea to, to Patrick Stewart, who was probably the most reluctant to admit that what he had publicly said to the world, which is I'm gonna make Picard, and it's not gonna have, you know, it's not gonna be next gen reunion, it's gonna be the Picard show. And then somehow he got on board. He got on board during that lunch. Go ahead. Well, these are the points at which I usually do my Patrick impression. It's a good time for it. But I've got laryngitis. Let's hear what it sounds like. So this is Patrick with laryngitis. <laughs> you know, Johnny. <laughs> I can't talk. I can't. It doesn't work. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's, 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 almost, that's almost like what his audiobook sounds like. Um, how does your Ian McKellen come out now? Ian McKellen? <laughs> I'm like, Lord of the Rings. Where's, where's Bilbo? <laughs> I mean, Todd, you were a fan, and 
this was, you truly were like the next generation of the next generation because you loved, uh, you know, Star Trek and, and uh, you, your nerd layer, you embrace all things geek. Um, what was it like to be on the set with these, you know, they've been doing this for a long time and they're, you know, they have a tradition of being very inviting to newcomers. Unlike a lot of sets in this town, you know, they, they've been very good to new people. You were ushered into the family very early. Yeah, it's, what was it like? You know, it, it was a slow motion riot. Um, it, it started uh, with Terry uh, inviting me into the fold and then going, oh, the fans are going to hate you. I'm like, I can't wait to go to work. Um, um, but, but again, like I said before, the, the pump was primed. I, uh, Jonathan and I had worked together and, and Terry and I had a great relationship. So, and, 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 and obviously kindly, kind things had been said to, about me prior to, and even our makeup head, I had worked with on The Riches and, uh, and other shows. And so um, even wherever I went, it was, it was like meeting family that I had, had heard about and, uh, you know, saw the uh, old home movies. Um, but then I got to be part of it. And the amount of um, space, no pun intended, uh, that I was given to, to you know, do my thing and, uh, and, and how it was uh, not only embraced but encouraged, which is dangerous. Um, it was, it was uh, it's liberating to be given that kind of material with that kind of direction and that kind of character with these scene partners. It's, I, I, you know, these things don't come around that often. And so I never took it for granted. And then the, you know, the six-year-old in me who had his Spurk, uh, Spock, Kirk, and McCoy action figures, if you had told him someday you're going to actually be a Starfleet captain, I would have said, totally tracks, because <laughs> that was the plan. <laughs> when... <laughs> When Terry told you gleefully, maybe a little too gleefully, they were going to hate you, were you worried about that? Did I say that? Yeah, you did. Oh, you, well, because as we were as you were uh, laying out sort of the season, you went, well, I'll give you the whole quote. They're going to hate you. Then they're going to love you. Maybe hate you a little more. And then they're going to love you. <laughs> Which is a lot of what I already had done on, on uh, 12 Monkeys. So... Did I mention 12 Monkeys? You all should be watching. I said 12 Monkeys! 12 monkeys. Yeah. Um, so, but it's a lot. And so I knew that a character with that kind of arc uh, in the hands of, of Terry and the writers, I knew I was going to be well taken care of. So the, the first scene you shot was the dinner? No, that was the first scene I shot with Jerry. The first thing I shot, I think, was with Patrick and Jonathan. And it was the, uh, you got 15 minutes. That scene. Oh, it was. And then I, I leaned hard into it as Jonathan's like, like, Todd, you're picking the lovely scenery out of your teeth. Um, and, and, and then Terry's like, do that all day. <laughs> Keep doing that for the whole show. I, I just remember being very nervous about the dinner scene. Well, and sure, because that was, that was the real scene. Right, but, but I remember I was Tone. like, because... Uh, I've seen... Scene, not the first thing you shot? 
No, I, it's, it's weird because that's what I remember it too. Yeah. But I, I remember being nervous because I've seen amazing actors sort of like when, you, when that moment comes and they're sitting around icons like, like Jonathan and Patrick, they can freeze up or they don't go quite as far as they want. Not Todd. He no. went and we were just like, all right, everybody, you know, we, we have a saying in front of, uh, for the rehearsal uh, in the writer's mm -hmm. it The saying is, let it suck. Just let it suck. And then, then it comes at you. And then sometimes it does, and we can go and we fix it. But no, from boom, the second it was rehearsal, it was like, oh, my God, this is going to work. It's amazing. So, yeah. But again, it, it's also, so I was saying before. Because you are such a hateful prick. I am a hateful prick. <laughs> I just stepped on and off screen, Jonathan. That's what I'm saying. In um, line. I think because, because uh, I f you feel trusted and... and and that's a big deal. Like, a, a performance is built by several people. Like, one person's performance is built by the writers, it's built by the director, and it's built by the actor and their scene partners. And given permission to take those risks by all parties, when you walk into a room filled with, with Jonathan and Jerry and Sir Patrick, I felt permission to be the hateful prick that I was. But it's, it's great because you give the first time that you treat these characters not like they're anything special, but that they're in your way and they're bothering you. And well, they're lying fun. to me yeah. and they're trying to take my shit. Yeah, yeah. They're trying to pull something over on you. I but smell you're their too bullshit smart for that. Yes. Wait, who did you play? I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't in it. Oh, I wasn't in it. Jonathan, I want to ask you because obviously. You've been very successfully directing now for a long time, ever since The Offspring on the third season of Next Gen. You did two great episodes. Data oh. episode. You can't you go can't wrong miss. with Brett. You can't miss with a data episode. Um, who never wanted to direct, Brent? You had the opportunity, but you never were interested. No. Uh, Tell him why. Well, there's a couple reasons. Uh, one. I love this. <laughs> you have to get up so early in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and. I like to sleep. Um, I used to have a sign on my door that said, to be with oneself in peaceful slumber is perhaps the greatest gift of all. And I still believe that. But uh, there was that, and, um, and I don't like to tell people what to do. Uh, and, and you have to as a director. <laughs> you know? Well, Hold on. Jonathan. Okay. Will you share with the, uh, with the fans what the true story about having to one is wanting us all to nap. Yeah. Oh. Sure. I can do it story? as Patrick. I can do it as Patrick. No, I well, you can't do it. I can't today. do it. Uh, yeah, no. We did. We were doing an episode, and I, I really needed a nap. And uh, you know, actually, I do right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it would help you a lot with Yeah. Uh, so I I asked the uh, producers how much an hour of time cost, and they told me. And I said, okay, I'll pay for that. And I said, I will pay for an hour's nap for everybody, if only if everyone, the whole crew, all the actors will take an hour's nap. We'll get like, like lay on little, uh, you know, when you were in kindergarten, mats, you put yeah. these mats on the floor. <laughs> that we would all True do story. that. True story. Yeah, and we would all do that. And we asked every single person, and there were only two guys on the crew who wouldn't do it. And they screwed it up for everyone. They did. 
They, they wanted to go to the bank. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we didn't do it. But I would have paid for it. The Spanish Can you imagine getting that right call now? at the production office? Uh, so, um, he called Mary Brent Howard. Spiner Mary Howard got him the number. <laughs> Wasn't it Mary? She came yeah. up with a number for you. Yeah. And they said, It was yep, Mary? We'll Mary said yeah, okay? That's what I'm saying. If you'll pay for it. And I said, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't going to pay for it and have these two guys go have Look, fun. Look, I had yeah. to go to the bank yeah. <laughs> on the call sheet. One hour for nap. Um, so, <laughs> Jonathan, directing, you did two wonderful episodes this season. What was it like? Because you hadn't directed yourself in a while. I hadn't. And was, were there any challenges inherent in that? Or? At the beginning of the season, I was told I wasn't going to direct because they were so concerned that I'd be busy trying to refine Riker, which was, I think, Probably smart, a smart idea. We were booked. We had booked a wonderful Canadian director who had done a bunch of Discovery, named Chris Byrne, who I think you guys had all worked with before. And God knows, he had two different uh, vaccines, and CBS didn't let him in. There was some bullshit about it was a COVID thing. The yeah. COVID thing that he wasn't allowed in the country. And at the last minute, he couldn't come in and prep the show. And luckily. Their, their cunning plan to keep me well, how did you, from behind the camera. How did you falsify his uh, medical records? It, was a, it wasn't easy. I had friends in Canada. Yeah. And then uh, Shaw did it. <laughs> and Terry, you directed the, you took him home with the final two episodes of the season. Um, you know, as a kid, you're playing with Star Trek action figures. Now you're directing them in a, uh, um, in a show. And of course, this is an epic feature-length uh, quality uh, two-parter, you know, and you had a buck ninety-five to make it. This is not, you know, Game of Thrones. How challenging was that for you? A buck ninety-five. Okay, a little bit more than a buck ninety-five. But you know, when you look at the most expensive shows on television, you uh, didn't have. That. I think the hardest thing is uh, we were coming. It's not that we were at the end of ten episodes. We were actually at the end of twenty because we shot seasons mm -hmm. right? two and three back to back, and the exhaustion level was. Incredible. Actually, the who it was Johnny who kept me alive. He he was by my side, whether he was on uh, camera or not. He sat with me, and like I would turn to him and be like, "I think I'm going to do this shot. This shot. What do you think?" He's like, "Great, just follow it up with this thing." It was like the, mo the most incredible support I ever had. So uh, I was uh, very very lucky um, to to have that, and you know we saved a few dimes for the finale. But again, we only had two days on that Enterprise bridge. And you could easily have done a week. That's there. insane. And we only had two insane. days. And so, you know, everybody, I, I always get asked, like, what was it like for them to fast. walk onto the set? And I'm like, we had to move. I didn't, there wasn't a magical moment. There was like a couple of fun things, but mostly I just remember just pure adrenaline. As that's what but there was a magical through. moment for the actors. I came to that rehearsal for that stuff that we did on the bridge with Marina and LeVar, who hadn't seen the set. Right. And I got out of the whatever transport, transportation vehicle I was in, and I got into the door first, and I came and looked back at the two of them as they saw the D, without being too Pollyanna. It was, we lived, I mean, it's like yeah. Gladwell. We were on that fucking set for 10,000 hours, easily. Yeah. Seven episodes, four movies, we were on that set, and it was, it was a replica. Obviously, it was a big deal about the, 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 the um, angle on the ramp, the color of the rugs, the seats, all the accoutagrams. So LeVar and Marina both 
had their breath taken away by it. Yeah. And it was the same reaction that the characters had when we came out of the turbo lift. And it was easy, but it was very, very real. Except for you, who you don't have feelings. No. <laughs> for me, it was like being back in the womb. Yeah. <laughs> Which I've done, by oh, the yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask you what your response was, Terry, because I know we always hear what, the, you know, what it meant to the actors. I mean, when you started on Voyager as an intern, it was after the sets had been struck on Next Gen. So, but what was it like for you to set foot on this and know that you were sort of the architect of its rebirth? Again, while I was making it, it was terrifying because I didn't know if it was going to work. It really wasn't until I was in editorial with uh, my longtime editor, Drew Nichols, who it was amazing, and we finally got the score right, and then I watched it, and then it hit me, like, it hit me really hard that this was going to work, because it could have been just, and for some people it was, just a big eye-roll fan service moment, but... For the rest of us, we felt like it was an earned moment, but it had 100%. to be perfect. The music had to be just right, and the, and the expressions had to be just right. And so it wasn't really until then, which was many, many months later, yeah. uh, that, I was, that I had that breath of relief. Mr. Franks. I have a question that I always wanted to ask you, and I'll ask you publicly now. Did you always plan to allow us to improvised during the card game, or did that come to you? Oh, no, always, always. Oh, you but, did? But it, it was from early on. This was a big deal for us, by the way. So the, never the, the last improvise. scene, if, you, if anybody hasn't heard this story is a, or, or seen it, is the, is, it's a return to the poker scene. But uh, unlike uh, all good things, it needed to feel different. And so I really wanted fans and viewers to feel what it's like to hang out with this cast because what you saw is all genuine all those smiles all those laughs all those jokes that's really the, that is what it's like to hang out with them and so uh i let them go for like 45 minutes in fact it's an easter egg on the blu-rays that you can find and, and you can watch much more of it um but i wanted it to to feel genuine and that who, was, won? who won who won the, the game? game well i mean it moved around yeah Todd, mostly Patrick. Todd, how did it feel to not be on the Enterprise D bridge and not be at the poker game? Was it horrible? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a callback. We need the Charlie Brown it's, music. Uh, you know what? I did. Uh, I did sneak a, a day onto the set. Didn't make it into the picture. Um, but I did sneak a day onto the set, and Are you I just did, below the uh, the I, horseshoe. And I, and, uh, I did uh, because I everybody was musical chairsing my captain's seat. I sat right in his freaking chair. <laughs> I, I beelined. Oh, but he didn't just sit. He. he I sat. I sat in it. I just got my stink all in it. Um, now I, I. So Dave. Dave Blass, who is, uh, who is an amazing uh, uh, art production designer, production designer. Yeah. He, uh, he's like, do you want to come see it? I'm like, yeah. And so, uh, so we snuck me on after, after my demise. Um, spoiler. And, um, <laughs> and uh, so I got, I got to run my finger along the dashboard, if you will. And it was pretty damn special. Yeah, it was cool. Did you get to open up the little flap on the, on the chair and see what was inside the little... I didn't. Fun secret about our chair, uh, the, so the, the little data pad that's right here in, um, 
in, in the captain's chair on the Titan is actually an iPhone. Mm-hmm. And, and Jerry and I discovered that you could turn the, oh, the camera pictures, on. yeah. And so <laughs> the lens is up. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And so, so there are, there's just reams of photos on a hard drive somewhere of like me and Patrick and Jerry like, oh, <laughs> oh, wee, and then we would spin in it so that we would take video oh so that God. the room and we're like, woohoo! And so there is a guy in the art department who came to me uh, at uh, Vegas. He's like, I have all the photos. Oh my God. So Christmas 2025, it might be a cocktail book. <laughs> Jonathan, you introduced in First Contact um, Alice Krieger, the Borg oh. Queen, you know, so beautifully, so magnificently directed. Obviously, that was a ball you carried uh, at the end of um, Star Trek Season 3. Did you talk much about it? Because logistically, these are very difficult scenes to shoot. You don't have a huge stage um, to shoot it on. Is it something you leaned on Jonathan at all to ask him, you know, some of the problems he encountered and challenges? And well, we had, all, it? we had all new problems because we had put her, this queen, under prosthetics that have never been done before and she was hanging on a thing and we were just trying we to make it We talked about through. the Borg Queen, about the late, great Annie Wershing? Yes. Oh, no, no he was talking about... In, in season three. Annie was in season two. He's talking about oh, the, 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 the Oh, the mutated, queen that we encountered yeah, that Alice very, voiced. Yes. That was a nightmare. It was. <laughs> it was really it was. not? That set was a nightmare. It, all, it, all those wires. <laughs> the fact that no, nobody died. There were so many of the... the, the <laughs> it we, was we, nuts. We, we wanted to show the Borg Cuban incredible disarray. The, the Borg were dying. You know, this was the last generation of the Borg. Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how we got through that. And uh, that actress went through hell. Yeah. She was bruised up oh. from being up on the, on the thing, and she never, never complained once. And Alice did the voice, which was great. Yeah, to have Alice, her back. Alice was it. We, she did it actually in Los Angeles. We really wanted to have her in person, but uh, we couldn't make it work financially. Uh, so, but when she came to do it, she saw it. She was like, "Mike, that is what I look like." It was, I think she was expecting her sexy board queen from First Contact, and was not so pleased to see what had become of her. <laughs> well, I know you have a lot of questions, so let's go to some audience questions and. Um, but you, know, you can't ask about Star Trek Legacy because, well, maybe you can, but go ahead. Hi, I'm Katie. And uh, just looking around this room, you guys can see from 12 Monkeys to what? Independence Day to Hallmark <laughs> movies, apparently. You guys, in Star Trek, you've all made so many people inexplicably happy in their lives. I was wondering, what makes you happy? My kid. My boy oh, that's Sam. such a dad answer. Yeah. It's the, it's the truth. truth. Yeah. Your DeLoreans. I, I mean, I might have a few of those. DeLoreans. I hate my kids. <laughs> Which one? The boy one. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it, that is the best. I mean, it's, it's, it does sound like a cliche, but it is... Uh, my, my daughter is about to be 16, my son is 25, and, and, and watching the, the fire of their art and passions explode in them, and then watch, knowing that they're gonna exceed me and then have to take care of me someday. Um, it's, that's, that, that truly is uh, a, a source of joy. Yeah. 
Thank well, you. <laughs> well, me, I don't do happy. <laughs> it's hard when you're sick. No, I'm happy to be sick. Oh. But no, I don't. I, I, you know me. I don't do happy. He doesn't do happy. No, it's one of his great charms. <laughs> I don't do sad either. That's why I was so good for data. You were great as data. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't do anything. <laughs> Thank you. One of my favorite datas was the uh, drunk sung data. Season two of Picard came home after trying to kill Picard. I wanted to you kill You were him. fucking great in that scene. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You directed that. I uh, did direct. Yeah, I didn't have to do <laughs> I said, come down the stairs drunk. Take the, take the room. And you did. Oh, thank you. I, it's hard to play drunk. You know what? I've never been drunk in my life. I know. You know, so uh, isn't that weird? That's weird. Yeah. Uh, Maybe but, we could change that tonight. That's not to say, <laughs> you know, that's not to say I don't drink. Uh, I just have never been drunk. I've never seen you drunk. No. I don't do I drunk. I don't think he knows what I don't drunk do happy. Means. I don't do drunk. <laughs> right. Maybe I'd be happy if I was drunk. Yeah. Oh. Um, I actually have a question for you, Mr. Frakes. I was hoping you would be able to either verify or debunk something for me. I read on the internet, which we know the, everything you read on the internet is 100% true, um, that you have different positions that you sat in as Riker in the chair, like with your, you know leg across or whatever. And I read that it was a more comfortable position for you because you'd hurt your back moving furniture. Is that true or is that false? I think that's false. I did move furniture for mm -hmm. a living. Unfortunately, the company I worked for was called the Walk-Up King and his trustworthy stepbrothers. And it was in New York City. So we used to get pianos and the like to move up six flights of stairs. So it wasn't great for my back. I'm not sure that there's any part of that that um, informed Riker's positions. Thank you I so stole much. the walk, however, you oh. didn't ask this question. Riker's, Riker's walk. Riker's walk. Some people attribute to Mr. John Wayne, but I attribute it to the great John Cullum. Is that right? Yeah, I stole it from watching him in uh, Shenandoah. No kidding. Thank you so much. The pleasure's mine. You know, Cullum stole that from John Wayne. I know he did. <laughs> One pigeon toed in. Yeah. Hi, my name's Lucas. I'm from Evansville, Indiana. Uh, I just want to say, first of all, season three of Picard appealed to some of the best moments of my youth uh, by showing us these characters better than they've ever been. And uh, I think we all uh, wanted that potential to come out of them for a long time. So thank you for that. Uh, my question is for Mr. Frakes, though. Uh, you know, there was a time when TV miniseries uh, didn't mess around, and there was a show called North and South. Oh, yeah. And I was looking at the cast list of that today. What a cast that was. You had Robert Mitchum. You had Gene Kelly. You had Forrest Whitaker. I mean, Hal Holbrook. I mean, what was... <laughs> can you talk about working on that show? And It, it changed my life. Well, I did I'm, fall in love with my beautiful wife in yes, that show. Yes, Jeannie Francis is in that. What? The late, great Patrick Swayze yes. is the star of their show. Can you share some memories or stories about <laughs> your, some of your favorite moments working on that? No, I can't. That's what I thought you'd say. No. Okay. Th thanks, I'm, fairness, I'm headed out. In all fairness, I was like number 37 on the call sheet. So okay. I, was, uh, I played spineless Stanley Hazard. Not a great character, not a great role, but I was, I was there a lot. But Gene Kelly was 36. Yeah, on call. Right. Yes. <laughs> Hal Holbrook was great. In, in. Yes. Well, it's been a long time since I've, when I grew up, we had three channels, and I remember distinctly Lonesome Dove 
and North and South were the, the two big miniseries that played in my house uh, growing up. And so and I, when Star Trek came on, my mom would be like, he was in North and South. And we would watch <laughs> North and South, too. So. And great James Reed. It was a great experience. While we were shooting it, I guess the dailies were so successful that ABC said, it's no longer a six-hour, it's a 12-hour. And the writers went crazy somewhere and wrote and kept us out on location for almost a year. Wow. I loved it. Wow, that's awesome. So they extended the Civil War. Yeah, they made the Civil War. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, oh, everyone. Thank you. I thought the next question was going to be, who's a better Mark Twain, Hal Holbrook or Jerry Harden? <laughs> since... Oh, wow. Uh, I think Val Kilmer. Didn't Val Kilmer did Mark Twain, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice poll. Hi, my name's Ken. I'm from Akron. Uh, my fiance and, and myself, we didn't dislike uh, Captain Shaw in the series. We actually thought he was the perfect asshole for that series. Uh, no one else could have played that better, and you owned it, and it was a great role. Um, my question is for Brent, though. Uh, myself. <laughs> I just want to let you know, you're a perfect... Myself and Brent. <laughs> we love you, Todd. We love you, Todd. You're great. great. Threes are funny. Threes are funny. But, um, Brent, you're on our favorite, uh, 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 our favorite show, Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah. I, I, and briefly. Yes. Do you have any funny stories from that? Because you're... I know it was only a couple minutes you were on there, but that was absolutely hilarious. So, any funny stories from that? Do you uh, do comedy? And if you guys could say hi to my fiance Becky over there. Hi, Becky. She's waving. Becky, hi. how are you doing, Becky? Over there. <laughs> um, where's Becky? Over there. She's waving. Hi, Becky. There's so many people <laughs> waving. Twelve monkeys. She's standing up. There's a lot of Beckys. Yeah, a lot of Beckys. <laughs> you know what? There was really nothing funny about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I no. You know what? It was a really nice experience. Uh, Jim Parsons and I went to the same. Uh, we had the same teachers in, in Houston, and so we talked about that a bit. But what, Mr. Pickett? Yeah. And, no uh, way. Yeah, and Sidney Berger. But the only, the only thing was, I, I lived very far away from the studio, and it literally took me an hour to, over an hour to get to the studio, and I, I'd hit the stage, and they'd say, you ready? And I'd go, yeah. And 10 minutes later, I was in my car going home. <laughs> well, that's funny. That's a good job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Love the show. You guys are great. Thank you. My question is for Becky. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why are you so far away? What happened? You guys Becky. have a fight today? You're not even married She was drunk yet. when I proposed to her. Congratulations, <laughs> Becky. Can I give you a piece of advice? Run. <laughs> My question is for Todd and for Terry as well. Um, thank you for talking to me yesterday about Captain Shaw and, and his trauma. I'm a trauma therapist, so we had a, a conversation about that. Um, was it always the plan for Shaw to be a survivor of Wolf 359? Like, whose idea was that? And Todd, did you talk to anybody who lived with PTSD or like what kind of research did you do to play that part of him? Well, you take the first question. Uh, it was. He was always uh, 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 meant to be uh, a survivor of Wolf 359 be 
because we knew we always knew that the payoff was going to be the Borg. So we wanted to broadcast Borg into the subconscious and conscious of the audience right from the very beginning. The first bit of dialogue you hear in the first episode is Picard talking about both three, five, nine. Um, so it thematically knowing where we were going, that was uh, we built that into the character. And then uh, as far as preparation goes, uh, understanding complex trauma, um, I, I did do uh, dig into that, specifically like veterans' experiences or PTSD. Uh, I, everybody's is different, as you know. And so uh, I basically stuck with the world that they built for him. And what his experiences. So of course I watched, rewatched Best of Both Worlds so that I could see uh, what was going outside the window. Um, and then, as as you know, uh, when someone is triggered, they are re-experiencing something as it's happened, like in real time. So they're going through all of those emotions. The, the the brain is doing that. And so what I did, without straightening the slinky here, is I just had to image all of those moments so that I could sort of see them in my head uh, as he was talking about them. And so that was, to keep the scene truthful, is he just had to be going through it again as he's talking about it. And that push and pull between being in the present moment, talking to those characters, and just literally feeling it all again. So yeah, that was, uh, that was, and it was all on the page. So you just get, get out of the way of great writing. Thank you. And it's also homage to the great Robert Shaw and the Indianapolis speech in Jaws, which is yeah. just so, it's such a beautiful homage to that. Um, we only have time for one or two more questions because we're out of time. But I do want to say, because I know you can't say this, but if you want to see this remarkable cast, this remarkable storytelling continue, there's a history in Star Trek of dead things coming back to life, whether it's Spock, <laughs> whether it shows. Who would have thought all these years later that we would see this incredible ensemble back on the screen better than ever? And the only way to make something like that happen is we have this thing called social media, hashtag Star Trek Legacy, and keep, don't give up. Never give up, never surrender, to quote another franchise, because that will make this happen. And uh, it needs to happen, because we need this kind of storytelling in Star Trek that Terry delivered and this amazing cast uh, brought to life on the stage and on the page. Let's do two more questions, and then, unfortunately, we have to wrap up. Um, hi, my name's Arya. I'm from Boston. And my question is kind of for... Oh, hi. <laughs> my question is kind of for anybody who thinks they have a good answer. So I plan on starting film school next year, either in the spring or the fall semester, and I just wanted to know if any of you guys had any sort of advice to be successful. I kind of want to do a little bit of everything, directing, acting, all of it. Well, I went to film school in Boston at Emerson College. Um, just make Crickets. stuff. Crickets make stuff. on Emerson. <laughs> no, no Emerson alumni. Are you serious? Yeah, I guess not. But uh, I will monkeys. say what, what's... <laughs> I like that. I'll, I'll tell you what's different about when I went and when you're going is you have this. Yeah. This is an incredible camera 
that does 24 frames and you can cut and, and do anything you want on your home computer now, on your lap, your home, I'm so old. What? Your home, your PC. <laughs> uh, your big 20. Make stuff, keep making stuff, show stuff, work with your friends. Uh, that's, that's truly watch stuff, get criticism, and then make more stuff. And that, that's the, the, the core of it all. But I also, I went to USC for two years and then ran out of money. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Don't do that. Don't do that. But get to know your classmates because they will be the people that you are working with along the way. And you, you can either choose to help each other or hinder each other. Hopefully you will help each other to get out of school and start working in the industry. And that's how you start your network. And you're a great example of that, Terry, because you're so loyal to your writers, to your uh, below-the-line crew. You bring back so many people, composers and uh, DPs and writers. And so the people you meet now are the people you may be working with for many, many years to come. Uh, last question. Thank and you so much. I hope I get to work with you guys someday. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, so I just want to start this off by saying, as a suicide survivor and somebody that has gone through hell since I could talk, Thank you for being the light at the end of my tunnel because I would not be here if it wasn't for you guys. Um, We're glad you're but here. But as somebody that loves classic television, as I've seen you on the Waltons, um, is there any show past or present that you wished you could have had a guest role or a starring role in? Uh, Maud. Yeah. What, Maud? <laughs> you Succession. Know, yeah. I actually... Fargo. I'll tell this story as quick as I Battle can. Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> One of my favorite shows ever was Boardwalk Empire. And I watched every episode of it. And the last season of the show, I got a, an audition because they, they went back in time to find out how Nucky became Nucky and all of that stuff. And there was a character that, uh, oh gosh, can't think of his name right now. Uh, uh, well, he was in Golden Pond. He played uh, Jane Fonda's husband in Golden Pond. Uh, 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 Fonda. Oh, no. No. Jane, Jane Fonda's Jane husband. Fonda's husband. Yeah. Oh, Jane Fonda's. I mean, he's a, he was made, Buffalo Bill, that series. Oh, Dabney Coleman. Dabney Coleman. Dabney Coleman. So Dabney Coleman was on Boardwalk Empire, and he played the Commodore. Yeah. And the, the, the flashback in time was the Commodore Younger. And so I auditioned for the part. Martin Scorsese was the executive producer. They cast me. Mr. Scorsese would love you to do this. I was over the moon because I wanted to be on that show so bad. And then we never heard from him again. Oh. And I found out what happened was they went even further back in time and I was too old. But that Ricky stuff happened. Ricky Schroeder ended up playing that. Yeah, Ricky Schroeder Ricky played Schroeder that part. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, was still, well, he was still just a kid then. But no, uh, can I say something real quick, though? By the way, we're delighted you're here. Thank you. We really are. You belong here. Yeah. A huge thank you to Terry, Todd, Brent, Jonathan Franks. Well, that was a great panel at GalaxyCon. It was too uh, short a panel. So great to... 
It was. I mean, we were a little surprised that it was only 50 minutes because we could have spent easily 90 minutes, two hours with these, um, this incredible group of people. As you see, I mean, they have such amazing chemistry. I mean, we didn't even need to be there, I felt. But um, I said to Terry, Metallus, I said, why aren't you moderating this? He says, no, no, no. We, we, we really much prefer, you know, having you guys do it because you ask such great questions. But um, uh, I just thought, you know, everyone was great. And I felt bad for... Uh, you know, poor Brent, who was just not feeling well. Not feeling it. But he still was really funny. Yeah. Really funny. And, and it's always course, good to uh, to poke Todd Stashwick. Always. Yeah, and if, and if you enjoyed this and uh, you haven't heard some of our other podcasts, um, we have some great episodes we've done in the past with Terry Metallis, Jonathan Frakes, Todd Stashwick. Um, so check those out all through 2023 as we celebrated uh, Star Trek being back, Picard Season 3. And uh, we did some great episodes, and I'm sure we will again. That's the beauty of it. Uh, but um, this was a, this was a real treat. It's a real treat for me, Darren. What do you think? Uh, for me as well. Uh, it's always it's always great, especially uh, with Frakes. He's uh, he's the mayor of Star Trek. He is. He is. And that was a that was a great crowd. That was a great crowd um, that was really excited to be there. So anyway, as uh, as we said. You can still support our documentary as we travel with Terry Farrell to Star Trek's greatest locations at makethetrek.com. Uh, special thanks to Mark Rivera and Peter Holmstrom. You can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to bring other people to the show. You can also subscribe to our subscriber-only podcast, Deck 78, at trekspertsplus.com. And uh, next year, we'll be uh, rolling out our new Discord channel and the Trekspert screening room. So that's going to add additional bonus content for our Trexperts Plus subscribers. So get on the train today uh, by subscribing and you won't regret it. And of course, you can let us know what you think of this and every Inglorious Trexperts episode on social and Inglorious Trek on all social channels um, or email us at trexpertsplus at gmail.com. Um, so uh, first and foremost, we want to wish you a very, very happy holidays. We hope uh, you have a safe holiday. We hope you have a fun holiday. We hope you get a lot of great gifts. And uh, even if you don't, you have this podcast, which is the greatest gift of all. <laughs> so <laughs> we hope you enjoy listening to it in front of the Yule log. And uh, which is basically uh, Sylvia holding the Enterprise over a candle. That's funny. And Starship is landing. The real is the real Yule log. And uh, we hope for uh, for for joy, peace, and contentment this holiday season. On behalf of Ashley Edward Miller, Darren Doctorman. Myself, Mark A. Altman, happy holidays, happy new year, and keep on trekking, ingloriously, of course. <laughs>